0: Basta my, it's just after midday on Monday. Jaloon, the 22nd of January, and this is Manx Radio's Man in Line. It's me, Phil Gunn, Confident I'll find the right buttons to press. Education Minister Julie Edge has been hitting the headlines recently in relation to the Southern Swimming Pool closure and subsequent reprieve. And just over a year ago, Rob Collister made headlines for his very brief tenure as Health Minister. Both are vocal contributors to Tynwald, but now is our chance to find out a bit more about their constituency work. This is, though, your programme, so please call and ask them a question. So, um, we have our two guests in the studio. Uh, First of all, did you all survive the big storm last night?
1: Yes um certainly Phil, it was was a storm obviously the island's quite resilient in the, in these situations anyway we're not it's not something that it we're not used to um and you know I'm aware there was a power outage in Onken but I think um all the teams that went out during the night and that have managed to keep the island um, moving this morning
0: Uh, Rob, you uh, managed to get uh, in all right? I think this is the first storm that
2: I wasn't cut off. I think the last two major major storms we've had on the island, um, you know, trees have come down and took my power out in my house about three hours and six hours. And as Julie said, a number of areas in Onkin were cut, you know, were without power last night. But a massive thank you to all the emergency service for a brilliant job for keeping our community safe.
0: And I suppose it would be wrong of us not to, to, uh, well, actually, it would be wrong of us not to go straight to Julian, who's uh, uh, one of our callers. Because remember, uh, listeners, this is your programme. Last uh, Friday, of course, we had, I think, about seven or maybe even eight callers, and sadly not enough space to fit in all the text. But if we go now to uh, Julian, and uh, no doubt Julian will tell us uh, why you're uh, calling
3: uh, Julian hi Phil and hello to Julian Rob good afternoon Julian hiya um yeah I've got a couple of questions for Julie um, first one um, just to, I, I understand that the 28 staff at the southern swimming pool are related um, that uh, they haven't lost their jobs so that's uh, a very big plus and there's an awful lot of people who pull together so Seems to, uh, seems to be a, a win at the moment anyway. Um, my questions for you, um, Julie. First one's about um, the NSC. Um, the NSC's budget um, has been reported recently as exceeding £330,000, but that's only for eight months of the current year. And I understand the projection is going to be £550,000, which will be over and above the 1.7 million NSC budget. So I'm assuming the NSC manager, who I believe is Carl Glover, has been requesting this extra funding. Just wondering, can you give some details as to what that more than half a million pound overspend will be on? I also noticed um, on page 18 of your recently released report that there's an intention to spend another near half a million pounds on heat pumps for the NSC to mitigate against um, high gas prices. However, I I noticed the Financial Times this morning is reporting that the wholesale natural gas price has been stable for quite some time at 2014 prices. So I'm just wondering if uh, you might think about altering your future energy pricing model in that report to reflect the reality when gas is purchased and the next round of purchases for gas. Um, And I've also noticed that on the same page 18 of your report, it says that the NSC is the only pool on the island that's eligible for climate change funding. Doesn't this kind of say that the NSC has become a bottomless money pit <clears throat> compared to all the other regional pools that are run by boards who have to manage their budgets, especially bearing in mind that Douglas, Onkin, your constituency and Braddon don't contribute to the swimming pool rates,
0: unlike the rest of the island? Well, lots of questions there for Julie. Uh, Julie, do you want to have a, a yeah, go at answering?
1: certainly. Hi, Julian. Um, obviously. Hi, um you know, I have been listening into some of the conversations over the last week, and people have been getting back to me. I just want to make it clear, Julian, the employees, and you know, I do, I do feel that the way that um, this broke into the public domain. Um, must have been really difficult for the employees, but the report um, was due to go on the Timwald website um, on the Monday. I met with the Southern Pool Board, who are the employers of the employees at the Southern Swimming Pool. It's not my department or the government. It is the Southern Swimming Pool Board that, em- that employ them. And um, obviously we went to meet with the Southern Pool Board to ensure that... Um, they could contact their employees to say that this report was to go on the Timwald website for debate and decision at the February sitting of timwald um, so it, you know it's 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 clear that um, something has has leaked between my meeting with the board and The employees, um, you know, and I I haven't even seen the letter that's been talked about that's been leaked because it hasn't been sent to me because it's not my letter. It's not a government letter. It's a letter that's been sent. I am assuming from the Southern Pool Board to their employees. So that, that's the first point. Um, with regards to the structure of the funding for swimming pools and community swimming pools, and, you know, I want to try and be f- as fair as I can to Onkin constituents, because that's what we're here for today. Um, but you've, you've obviously brought up Um, significant conversation around the NSC. The NSC is a national pool. My understanding when the NSC was built, it was through donated land from the East, um, from from Douglas Corporation, and um, for it to be a national pool. You're you're right to to point out that um, the recent um, Freedom of Information request with regards to overspend at the NSC um, has been reported. That is a mid-year spend um, for the NSC. And of course you also pointed out about um heat source pumps being out of the budget. Actually heat source pumps would be coming from climate change fund. Um that's you know that you, you're right to say say that. You've also commented about gas prices being stable. The biggest energy usage at the NSC for its budget is actually electricity. And we all know that electricity is virtually doubled from sixteen well, it was sixteen pence. Per unit, it's now it's thirty one pence. Um, so the significant challenge around energy for the NSC is the increase in the electricity prices, which um, obviously you know they were held, they were held, um, you know, and um, subvented really um, dur- during the energy crisis and the cost of living crisis. But they have now um, been increased, and that is the significant increase in the NSC. It's not just gas; it is electricity. Yes. Julian, are you happy with the answers?
3: Julian? Uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah, however, the electricity is generated from a gas turbine, so if the gas price comes down, the electricity price will come down, won't it? In theory, hopefully.
1: Well, that's um, certainly, uh, uh, you know, that's a question for the MUA, but their prices and rates have been re- been released, and currently the bills that people are receiving, I, I, I'm quite certain it's 31 pence per unit.
3: My other question for you is um, following the – this is on your education hat, if that's okay – following the QE2 transgender and drag queen um, curriculum debacle that happened some time ago, what's the future plan for the transgender part of the curriculum, or will it be scrapped following mass backlash from parents –
1: so Julian, I've always stated that we will be bringing back a revised curriculum on on RSE into into our schools. It's currently being worked on by the professionals, and um, you know certainly a lot of the criticism in the COVID report was that the professionals weren't listened to. We're listening to our professionals, and we will come forward with the right curriculum. For RSE within our schools, I think it's really important um, that we ensure all of our students are aware of choices they can make in life. And um, certainly when that comes back, it will be um, fully transparent as to the way forward we are going to go with the RSE curriculum.
3: What um, qualifications required for somebody to teach that particularly?
1: Well, obviously, we have all qualified teachers in our school, but part of the recommendation for the investigation that was done into the RSE was that we should have specialist teachers working in that area. It is a difficult area uh, for some teachers to teach, and um, you know that's what we're currently working on. And we will come back with the right curriculum for the Isle of Man, not a curriculum that's been copied from elsewhere. It will be. We'll be looking at obviously. Um, the, the, the best that's out there and I think it's really important to to help support our students and protect them going forward, that they're aware of challenges that they could face in the future and that they have choices around um, many areas that they will come across in life.
3: Okay, thanks very much. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll zip off and give other people a chance to ring in.
0: Well, thanks for your call, Julian. And remember, listeners, this is a phone-in programme primarily, so please do get in touch if you have a question for the Onkin MHKs. Uh, Two people have, well, three people have done that. Uh, John in Onkin asks uh, uh, Julie, who is responsible for the Southern Pool staff? I think you've answered that. That's the Southern Swimming Pool Board, isn't it?
1: That's correct, yes. They are employed by the Southern Swimming Pool Board, which obviously is made up of representatives from all the local authorities in the South.
0: Uh, another question, uh, well actually no, we'll do one question for Rob uh, and this is from Jeff, a resident of Lakeside Gardens so Rob might um, already have worked out what the question is going to be. Several years ago Rob promised to do everything in his power to bring the outcasts of Lakeside Gardens and House Drake back into the Onkin constituency. So far, nothing has changed and we are represented by MHKs that do not appear to have any interest in us unless an election is in the offing. Will we ever be returned to the fold or will we always be ignored? I know that Rob will will always help if possible. But I hate being an outsider in my own village. And that is
2: um, an opinion that's shared by a lot of people who um, happen to be living in the parish of Onkin at the moment. Just to answer Jeff's question, what I actually said if it goes back to 2016 is because I came through a local authority election where I served the whole of Onkin, the parish and the village what I actually said is I would continue to serve the whole um, constituency of Onkin, and I've continued to do that and I have fulfilled that promise and I will continue to fulfill that promise in the the future what i have said recently is there is going to be a boundary review and there's going to be a motion in Timwald and there's going to be some changes in the north of the island what i've actually said is i will be moving an amendment and i'm hoping my colleague julie will support me and that amendment will be to bring all of onkin back together now what i've actually said is it's almost impossible that i will get the support from my colleagues for Onkin to have three MHKs, even though all of the evidence says Onkin should have three MHKs, given the size of its constituency, the number of voters. However, what I'm proposing to do is to bring an amendment for the whole of Onkin to come back together, but only to have two MHKs in the future. That will sort out the discrepancy, and I'm hoping that mo- that motion will support will be supported by my colleagues in Timbald in the near future. So bear with me, Jeff. I'm still on the case. But if you need me, you know how to contact me.
0: Julie, are you uh, a subscriber to putting Onken back together again?
1: Certainly, as you know, Rob said, but I get many contacts from all over the island, actually, as a national politician. It's not it's not just Onken, but I think one of the key key areas of um, perhaps a, a lower turnout for the lakeside and that part of Onken has been the fact that we can't represent them. As many people come up to me and say... I'd, if, if I could vote for you I would um, you know there is a boundary review, there's the, the electoral commission I, I believe are about to report on that, it will be interesting what comes out but I did attend the meetings and it was clear that um, due to the increases in numbers of voters in certain areas of the island there was going to have to be changes because it was done on the numbers, it's the first time the boundary review has been done since the 2016 election um, when Rob and I were the, went, went on Onkin went down to two, but I think the important thing for the people of Onkin is that we have a fair system in place so that they can voice their opinions to the national politicians.
0: And here's a a rather direct question, a question for both MHKs. Other than being good at waffling your way out of situations, Uh, what makes you qualified to be an MHK? So, I don't know, Rob? Do I'll you
2: take it? it first. Well, I think the question is, it's up to each individual, each constituent um, across the island. If they believe we waffle, I like to believe that I'm very open, very honest, very transparent. I give a fair que- a fair answer to a question that's tabled. So if that caller or that texter has a particular topic that he wants me to give a direct answer to, that I'm more than happy to, I don't believe I waffle. I think I, ans- I answer things very clearly and consent based on evidence. Julie,
1: yeah, and certainly, and thanks for thanks for the question. I think one of the things when I was first elected in twenty sixteen, obviously, open transparency. I was the champion for the whistleblowers. I, I brought a lot of that forward, knowing what was coming down the line from the from Manx Care, um, you know, in that situation. However, I think the key thing which I have noticed going into Timwald is having been. A public servant for 38 years before going into Timberwolves has been the most valuable piece for me. And that experience working within local authorities, with working within Manx Utilities, working at our hospital uh, and obviously as a civil servant in education for the latter 20 years before being elected. I think that's been really important to be able to move things forward quickly.
0: Well, it's time for a break but don't forget if you have a question for the mhks or indeed if there's anything else on your mind this dinner time 66 1368 is the number to call uh, you can also text 166 and there are several of those which we'll get to shortly or email studio at manxradio.com remember this program is so much better when you call So, welcome back to the Man and Line, And we have two guests with us, Julie Edge and Rob Collister. And this is your chance to uh, talk to them and uh, discuss with them any issues affecting the Isle of Man or, or indeed uh, specifically about Onkin. And we do have some callers. We've got lots of texts and um, quite detailed questions in about pools. But I should say that perspective this Sunday is going to have a lot of that. So I may just take some of those questions and ask those uh, when we get to that perspective programme. But now it's like Blackpool Illuminations on the phones. So if we go first to Gillian uh, on line one, uh, who hopefully is joining us. Uh, Gillian, uh, Fasta i good afternoon.
4: Fast I yes, this is Gillian. Uh, this is a question for Julie, please. Well, rather a statement in a question. Um, I'm I'm the spokeswoman of a large group of ladies who regularly take a swim at the NSC. We we've had cancer last year, major surgeries, including myself, and it's our road for recovery. But we're finding it very very difficult to take a swim because of um, schools taking up the shallow end, and also now the fast lane, uh, it's closed in the morning and we're early birds and I don't go into the cold ski. and so our whole morning we're waiting to go to the NSC because of school closing but then sometimes we can't even get in the, we got two lanes out of the three so you can imagine it's not a comfort to try and do our regular swim with the fast people being in the middle lane. So we're really worried about this for the future of our health. If other schools come, Julie, but we're never going to be able to go for a swim. So could you, if we, if you do close the school uh, pool, could we have another one or a bigger pool made? Thank you, Julie.
1: And thanks, Gillian. And uh, obviously, I'm I'm sorry to hear that um, you've you've had cancer. I, you know, I've had it myself, and I've had major surgery again um, in September. So I do fully understand the importance of being able to recover and have activities that are appropriate to you. Um, obviously, uh, it's been announced that the Southern Swimming Pool will be um, car- continuing with its current subvention for a further year, but but. The bigger piece for me with regards to the NSC, and I do understand your concerns around if there's more children coming into the NSC to swim. Obviously, that program has been worked on, we are looking at that, but I do think that it's very important that it's well communicated from the community pools from the NSC what swim space is available and bookable for the public whether that's at the national pool at the NSC or whether that's at the community pools and um, certainly it's been very interesting doing this exercise to see the differences around the pools I know the southern um pool operators and the board have worked really closely to try and ensure they can operate within budget and reducing the hours at the southern swimming pool to, to accommodate their financial challenges. However, I think it's really important as an island that the public are aware of what swimming is available around the island. Our swim space per, per, per head of population is Appropriate, it's, you know for the island. If you look at all the national figures, but um, I will take your comments back to to my officers, Gillian, oh, and um, ensure thank that we you. publish all this really well. And it will be a six That's lane brilliant. swimming pool on the Castle Russian development. That's the master plan that I've had developed in line with the island plan and the economic strategy.
4: Julie, that'll be a while away. Yeah, yeah. I want to get healthy now, and it's really horrendous to try and swim there. And um, so, if you would look into that, please, uh, we can maybe have a longer early bird session for, for people who are really, really do need this. I'm speaking on behalf of a big group of women, and I'm the I'm spokesperson. So, please look into that for us.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Gillian, and I will do. Thank you, Julie. Thank thanks, you, thanks, Bye.
0: Gillian. Uh, Rob, were you wanting to come in? Yeah, there? I just wanted to thank Gillian as well for
2: coming online today. It's, it's very clear. The report outlines very, very clearly that the benefits from a health point of view, the cost savings, and everything else. As an MHK, I'm happy to go on the record to say that I personally will not support the closure of the Southern Swimming Pool until the new facility is open Then it could be swapped over. But this does open up a wider discussion around how we pay for our leisure facilities in the future. Should it be through rates? Should it be through taxes? Should Onk and Braddon and Douglas pay towards those facilities? These are very big conversations that need to be had. And when I was looking at this particular topic myself, it's disappointing that the 2019 consultation on rates modernisation had no reference to leisure facilities. And that's something that we need to have a discussion. before where I am, um, it's very clear in my mind that I will not support the closure of the southern swimming pool until a new facility in the south of the island is up and running.
0: And, well, you've posed those questions then. Uh, Would you support an all-round leisure rate?
2: I think there needs to be a discussion because the people... That wasn't the question. Well, (laughs) I've asked a lot of people, and a lot of people, depending on what facilities and services they've used, some will say that... Um, rates are better some would say taxes now if everything in a normal world i would probably go for taxes however we've got a lot of historic problems that we have to pay you know um, overspending of departments we've got pension deficits there's major problems to be to be overcome so maybe the better place to actually fund these is through the rates but that's a conversation with the people of the
0: island that we need to have david quirk is is waiting very patiently online too and he has uh uh, the summary that's been provided to me, uh, questions concerning the um, the pool and Council of Ministers. David, uh, fast am I.
5: Hi, Phil, and your guests. Can I ask then to, probably Julie, and I'll ask Rob later, would he have done something differently? Is, did she have talks with the Council of Ministers? Did she not correspond with the Council of Ministers, or did they not have them in when the closure was going to happen? Why didn't you talk to the southern MHKs, which is normally the practice where a a minister would have confidence in other uh, MHKs around the island, to discuss the issue? And do you think it's quite strange that the Speaker of the House of Keys, great lad, uh, come up within a a day or so with working out things, come up with figures to save the pool? Aren't you embarrassed?
1: Certainly not, David. As a national politician, I've Followed all due process, um, as you know, the, there is a, a stringent process for papers to go into the Council of Ministers. Once that decision was reached in the Council of Ministers, the most important area for me was to ensure the sensitivities around the employers at the swimming pool was covered off first. So there was a briefing for all Timwild members, including Southern MHKs, on the 9th of January. Unfortunately, I wasn't present at that. My mum was very seriously ill in Nobles Hospital, but my department took that, led by Claire Christian MHK. And then on the following day, the 10th of January, I went to the Southern Board to deliver the outcome of the recommendation. And it is only a recommendation, David, and you you well know, being an ex-MHK Department of Education, Sport and Culture cannot close a pool. We can only recommend, and the fiscal responsibility I had at that point for my department was to protect the finances and look at it and the additional deficits that were coming forward from all of the community pools were not affordable by my department for the budget that we receive. With with regards to um the Speaker of the House of Keys coming up with an alternative plan for the southern swimming pool that's entirely in their gift as, as mhk's to do that and to discuss that with the southern pool board however the southern pool board has representatives from all the local authorities in the south and um, that uh, as far as i'm aware to date i have not received anything from the southern pool board to say they accept that financial plan however what we have said as a as a government will continue to support the existing subvention of four hundred thirty four thousand. And that's the the analysis that's been it's been carried out with that um, subvention as the analysis. Now, that is then down to the local authorities to raise additional rates in the whole of the south of the island. And that's part of that um, new analysis that comes forward. So so really and truthfully, David, to answer the question, it's not I haven't done a U-turn. I've said I will continue to subvent with the existing budget. The additional funding that was requested by the Southern Pool Board has not. They are now saying they don't need that. So I think perhaps people should think about what what the significant change has been here. And,
0: and just before I, I, I'll bring David back in shortly, uh, I'm going to bring Rob in. But just before that, um, did did the the, the the dra- a draft of this report, did that not get shared with the Southern uh, Pool Board?
1: It did, um, Phil, and that was shared at the end of November and um, it was specifically put out to the Southern Pool Board to take to their members, their representative commissioner authorities on the 30th of November to check the figures. The figures that we have utilised have all come to my department from the local authorities and um, I know, you know there has been some challenge around that, um, but certainly... I've seen the emails with the figures that have been utilised. So
0: so you must have been quite surprised then to hear that um, the Southern Pool Board was challenging the figures in that report.
1: Um, certainly, I, th- I think that possibly, you know, bet- between the 30th of November and the new year, or when I went to the Southern Pool Board on the 10th of January, there's, there's, there does seem to be, some form of breakdown in, in in communication over over that report, possibly. Um, obviously, I can't comment. It's local authorities, um, but but with with regard to to the report, um, and you know the re- real important piece here is the sensitivity around publishing that report. I went to the Southern Pool Board to make sure they informed their staff first that a recommendation was going to Timwald, but it would only be decided in February, Timwold sitting. Now, Phil, you know the process for Timwold. David knows the process for timwald. Um And sadly, this has been debated outside of the timwald chamber. And, um, you know, the democratic process I am following, I've followed the process to take papers to the Council of Ministers.
2: Rob. Yeah, I was just going to come back on David's point with regard to the Council of Ministers. Obviously, we're all aware that the Council of Ministers can give a direction to a department. To the best of my knowledge, that didn't happen. And the presentation that we attended, um, you know, the members were given the options of either 3A or 3B, which would have involved the closure of one regional swimming pool, which is what the report says. That... There, thereafter, there is a debate in Timmel about which of those options it takes. So I absolutely get that point. But in respect to council, they can direct. And as far as I'm aware, unless the minister wants to correct me, the Council of Ministers has not given a direction which means the decision uh, regarding which option is presented to Timwell members uh, as their sort of understanding of the way they want to go forward, they would have to make a motion to say this is the direction we want this is either 3A, 3B or something else, it's up to Timwell then to accept it, but as far as I'm aware, Council has not given direction
0: in this matter Well, we've got two more callers hanging on the line, but David, uh, uh, have you got a, a, a quick follow up there?
5: Uh, I just uh, want to say, really, there's it, it more than this that meets the eye. People's lives and jobs were affected here. And uh, I, I, for, a, for a, a minister, whether you are the member for Honkin too, sometimes simply to say, I'm sorry, it's gone this way. And I, I think the councilman's job is just uh, alluded to. Did you not get a direction from the council of ministers? Did they not say anything? Did not they not say to you this? This is going to cause difficulties right around the island.
1: I think, David, you're very aware that there's some difficult financial challenges coming in coming our way to, for, for the island. Um, tough decisions do need to be made. I, I think people, and the, certainly the people of Onken, know I will not shy away from difficult decisions, but I will always make sure I've got the facts in front of me before making that decision. We had all the facts in front of us. We already were aware of the master plan, as we're all MHKs, including the southern MHKs, that the master plan included a six-lane swim pool investment for the south of the island, and that will be completed with the school by 2030. I think that's significant, and that's significant investment in education facilities, community facilities, and sports facilities for our island, and that's what nationally we should be doing i totally understand um that that you know i think i think actually the leaked letter has been the 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 sort of situation that's blown this up really um and as i say i still haven't seen that leaked letter i don't know who the letter's from i don't know how it's been leaked um you know and but we do need to move move forward and the sensitivity I've already explained to other callers around the staff at the Southern Pool Board was the responsibility of the Southern Swimming Pool Board to deliver that to their employees. They are their employees. And um, we were very conscious of that. And that's why we have p- approached this in the way we have, by going to the Southern Pool Board to get them to speak to their employees before the debate in Timwald.
0: Well. Just a quick message to uh, Brian and Stephen, who are waiting on the lines. Sadly, we're going to have to take another break, but I'm coming straight to your calls uh, after this.
6: When the man in line's not on air, call Manx Radio to leave your opinion for broadcast on 682 631.
0: So we're back with the man in line, Julie Edge and Rob Collister, on can MHKs join us. And on line three, Brian uh, has waited for a very long time. Uh, thank you for waiting, uh, Brian. Uh, you have um, a question uh, and it's something to do with Castle Russian High School.
7: That's correct, yes. Castle Russian High School. Um, thanks, Phil and uh, Julie and Rob. Julie. I've just heard you say, you don't shy away from making decisions. 2016, the decision was made to replace Castle Russian School, and some set to one side of 40 million for the job. Over a million pounds has already been spent on design, and now we're being told that there's three to four million been set to one side here now, recently. And it's going to take 106 weeks to do the design work. Well, as far as I'm concerned, schools are a a utility building. You could buy a secondary school off the shelf in kit form, prefab form, and it could be up and erected here on the Isle of Man in two years. Have you considered that option rather than getting... redesigning the wheel, basically, they're there, they're out there, you can buy them. What do you, what's your answer
1: to that, Julie? Th- thanks, Brian, and thanks for your question. Obviously, I wasn't the Minister for Education in 2016, and I do agree that there wasn't a lot of progress in the previous administration. However, since since I've been the Minister, I have that design for the whole site. I think it's the right thing to do to maximise the site for for education and for sports and community facilities in the south, and also access to the playing fields and the fields beyond. Um, you know, that's significant to me to have that um vision for for the south um but with regards to um timelines and design and and funds that have already gone we have got um the ground source heat pumps already in all under the fields the fields are are there ready ready to go the ground source heat pump which was significant in the work that i've had done that from the master plan will be able to be utilized for all the facilities we are putting on that site so there has been great investment so far with regards to the 106 weeks um, plan. That is obviously the major projects unit. And I think, um, Brian, we have got caught up in a new capital procedure process that's been brought forward um, by Treasury. And um, obviously, the process for that has changed. Tim members are still trying to get to grips with that, but this is the first project and I, you know i 'm pr- actually quite proud that the department has been able to get this investment into the South in for a school, and um, that we will be starting that school but design stage for any major projects and certainly we shouldn 't rush it. we need to get it right i 've always said a lot of the problems with government is is get you 've got to get it right and nailed at that design stage and then ensure you 've got the right contract in place Um, and whether that's a design and build project or whether that's um, a wet build or whether that is as you say an off the shelf Um, there's so many different construction techniques and um, certainly I know there's commitment from the chief minister to have this school and, and spades in the ground as soon as possible and I'm certainly behind that as well I'm pushing it I'm driving it and I think we've got further than we ever have on the site to ensure a school is there with this sports significant sports complex and swimming
0: Brian, are you content with the answer? Absolutely not. It's waffle again.
7: It's just taken time. My point being, you can school, a secondary school has already been designed. You know, just look at You don't need to have all this three, four million pounds spent on design, that redesigning Brian, something that's already done.
1: Brian, I, can I come get, back? Get, or... get
7: in, no, 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 get into you, it. It's just two years down the line. And there'd
1: be nothing done. Brian, education moves forward fast. And obviously the design that was done was not appropriate for for the requirements for education today. We all know post-COVID that we need to be moving a lot of things online and things like that. That's come out clearly in the COVID reports. So designs and and education is changing. It's changing rapidly. In fact, it's changing significantly and hasn't done for 50 years. So we need to try and future-proof that site. It's not waffle. The design is going ahead the money is there from Treasury for the secondary school and and the design for the sports complex, and we are moving forward.
0: Well, sadly, Brian, uh, we're going to have to leave it there because I've got Stephen who's been waiting for, oh, it looks like 21 minutes. Um, so, uh, Stephen, uh, hopefully you're still with us.
7: Yeah, yes, I am, and uh, good afternoon, Phil. Good afternoon, uh, Julian. Good afternoon, Rob, and good afternoon, listeners. My question is really as your national politicians uh, and we've got the budget coming next month. so my question is, is it possible to balance the budget or at least start to balance the budget uh, given where we are in the Timber time timeframe, this timberball time frame? Can it be done without any pain uh, and what's your thoughts? of how it can be done, would any, would any MHK vote for unpopular decisions at this point in the time frame? Because another possibly year and a bit down the line you'll be looking at the general election. And the next part of the question is, is it now time to revisit some of the strategic aims of the Chief Minister in his strategic plan? Should some of these sacred cows be revisited, which are costing us a lot of money? So there's my question. How will we balance the budget? How will we have the pay? Is it possible without uh, any pain? And are we at the wrong point in this tin world?
0: Well, I think we start with Rob because he's been uh, sitting there scribbling away. Um, I'm not sure is he drawing a a, a picture or or what's going on. But anyway, Rob.
2: Yeah, good afternoon, Stephen. I think the honest answer is no. I think um, it's going to be really difficult to balance the budget, um, taking into account all of the historic problems that we've encountered, especially around pension deficits, um, for example. Uh, obviously, we have the budget next month. We don't know what's in that just yet, um, but thereafter it's going to be a long and slow process. Some of, if you take the UK for example, some of the uh, the the sort of finances that went into COVID. That's a generational thing. That's going to take a long time to recover those. So there are difficult conversations to be had around growing our population, increasing our income, which I'm sure the the Treasury Minister will outline in his budget in the future. These are incredibly difficult questions we're going to have to ask. The question is how we resolve them, um, because we still need new housing. We need housing opportunity. We need jobs, security on our island. The government needs income. It needs to cut back its own costs. At some point, the Isle of Man is going to have to stop, pause and then speak to the people of his island about some of those really difficult decisions we're going to have to make in the future.
0: Uh, Julie, uh, your department, of course, is very salary heavy, so you're um, very much at the mercy, mercy of... Uh uh, pay negotiations really aren't you
1: yeah certainly phil and that does impact um obviously in my department when obviously the budget is done on a fixed percentage increase across government and um, that can make it very challenging and certainly has made it challenging for my department um last year however we have a duty to award the recommended pay bodies um decision to our teachers and you know we will continue to do that but with with regards to balancing the budget that's exactly what I've done for my department going forward for 2425 this is the first decision that's had to be taken with obviously the the strategic um, foresight of that investment for the south. Now it's only a recommendation that's gone forward, but can you imagine if we're going to come forward with any bigger, tougher decisions on budgets or or costs in in manx care or or you know prescriptions, eye appointments, and that? Um, there are some significant challenges, um, but one thing I would say um, post COVID, I think the government um, invested well. However. There has been a hold on various increases and rises across the piece for government, whether that be road taxes or any, any anything but they are all taxes. Local authorities are a tax a rate is a tax, and I do think um, what has actually happened here is it 's proved that structural way of working, whether it with local authorities and government working with local authorities. Um, We certainly need to be looking at that. And I think there is time to do that, whether there's time to do full rates reform. um, That's questionable when there's election looming and the elections in the local authorities are coming in 2025. So it's very unlikely that would happen. Um, But I certainly think these are significant challenges ahead.
0: Uh, Stephen, uh, we're running a bit short on time, but uh, any follow-ups? Well, just to say,
7: should we... I know uh, you, you've all supported the chief minister's strategic plan of growing the economy and increasing the numbers, but if we're if we're merely spending our own money to increase this and make the bubble work, then is that really proper? Is that proper money? Is that is that a significant attraction to come into the island if at the end of the period? We've not significantly improved our income tax take. We've merely used our reserves to create that. Is it time to revisit this this plan that's been, I never supported, for example, the increase in population or the spend uh, of, of the Department of Enterprise to give money to developers to build expensive apartments. So there is things that can be done. Uh, possibly we could leave and look at the ring-fenced amount for... Climate change to help balance other budgets, such as possibly health and education. These will be unpopular things to say. I do know that. However, uh, just to continue as we are, uh, I don't think it's the right course. And I do understand that we're in the wrong time in this tin world. I suppose really the unpopular decisions should be taken early. And I I consider that probably this team will now will push these unpopular decisions to the next uh, the next general election.
0: Thanks uh, for that, Stephen. Um, Very quick. Then we've only got a a, a, well. Relatively short time. Uh, Rob? Yeah, I think
2: there is some very good points within the the economic strategy which the Chief Minister passed. You know, creating 5,000 new jobs, uh, 1,000 homes, and we've got to remember 250 of those will be affordable housing. So there's some very good plus um, things within that document. Obviously, in the future, we may have to look at priority budgeting where we actually focus down within our community what we can actually deliver, what may need to be paid through other sources in the future. Take, for example, um, eye appointments, doctor appointments, all of them really difficult conversations to be had.
0: Julie uh, 30 yeah. seconds to answer that
1: okay, um I think it is right that government facilitates investment in the island um done by private investors. I think we need to work really closely with our business uh, businesses. a lot of them are small to medium enterprises they're key to keeping the island going. but with regards to reviewing it, the chief minister is constantly reviewing and he he and the council of Ministers, which is a collective responsibility um, group of people will come forward with what's right for the island. Um, for the future and um, certainly for, from an Onkin constituency point of view I'm always in there continuing to challenge where things I don't th- think um, meet what the Onkin people would expect um, however we have collective responsibility Rob and I work closely you know certainly on, on things like the bishop and that and I think we need to continue to do that.
0: Well, thanks for that. A couple of very interesting messages in. Brian for MHK, and then what a load of waffle Brian was talking. So, um... I don't know about you, but I enjoyed that. Uh, That's all for today, the day of the big storm, or the day after the big storm. Thank you to Onken MHK's Rob Collison and Julie Edge for bringing light to our understanding of the work they do. Uh, Thanks to Barry for producing. And I think I'm getting the hang of the knobs and dials now. But particular thanks to you for your company and contributions. Alex will be back with tomorrow's man in line. And remember, if you think of something you'd like to mention when the man in line isn't on air, or uh, our out of hours number is six eight two six three one, you can leave a message, which may be played out on the next show. Coming up next, Nanji's three with Christy D.
7: The years, serving you as the nation station, this is Manx Radio. A number of programmes on Manx Radio became
6: firm favourites over the years. One such was the Kringle File. David Callister asked its author how he came up with so much entertaining stuff. The ideas is I might pick one up during the day from the newspapers or from somebody I speak to. Uh, I tend to sort of pick up cuttings and other things and write little notes and keep them in a file. And also I do rely on listeners. An awful lot of people write in and ring in and stop me on the streets. And wherever I go to a social function, people have always got something to say. But after your social function, you've got to go home in the evening and there's that deadline almost hitting you. Have you ever had a time where there was no inspiration at all? Yes, once or twice, I've sat there looking at a sheet of blank paper for the, for the best part of an hour and then eventually you just crank your mind into, into action, you've got to do it, that's the thing, that's the discipline. And then you what, whip it off in three or four minutes? Yeah, yes, often with the flimsiest idea, that usually is, is the quickest and sometimes if things are really going bad, I have a couple of large whiskies and that stimulates things along quite nicely. But you've always got to find uh, a punchline as well, I nearly always have to find a punchline, are they easy to come by? Well, you you start off and you go around in a circle, you you hope for the best. It's something called uh, free association. Alistair Cook does it. Now, there's a big difference, a world of difference between me and Alastair Cook, but we still work on the same system. Have you managed to tread on a few people's toes? Uh, One or two people have been annoyed. Uh, One or two things I've said. I, I... I'm sorry that happens because the whole thing is only meant to be mildly amusing and harmless. It's to give people a laugh, some relaxation. There's nothing malicious intended in there at all. But, of course, you can't always get it right. And when, when, it does, when that does happen, I'm always terribly sorry because then I've got it wrong, and I don't like that. I'm speaking to an audience I can't see most of it. But there is an audience I do see, and that's Stu Lowe at the moment – and there's you, and there's Charles guard And generally speaking, once I finish and I let the punchline go, I always have a look to see what sort of a laugh I'm getting, and that really tells me how well I've done.
7: Part of Island Life for 60 years. This is your Manx Radio.